0: Was Joseph Smith's polygamy comparable with Abraham's polygamy? We're going to talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Dorothy Catlin is our guest again on this show. Bishop Earl continues uh, taking a little time off, a little extra time off. And so I would like to get right into it and introduce Dorothy. And thank you very much. For thank you for coming again and sharing and helping uh, present all this information. Well, I'm enjoying being here. Good. It's
1: different to be on this side of the table. Usually I'm on the other side. Over on the other side, that's <laughs>
0: right. Um, again, I would like Dorothy to explain a new radio program opportunity that uh, she and her husband have been presented with. So would you give the information sure. to our viewers?
1: Sure. Starting in August, we will be doing a half an hour, very informal discussion of the scriptures that we're studying and kind of how to study the scriptures and how to uh, connect them in a relevant way to the way we live. Uh, It's going to be called More Than Ink, uh, airing on AM 820. Uh, It'll be on Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock and starting in August. Did I say that? I think so,
0: and it's about a half hour long. Yeah, half
1: an hour. Yeah, it'll be very informal, and just Jim and I talking to each other mm-hmm. about how we are, um, how we are finding the word relevant.
0: And I think that's so important with this culture, the Mormon mm-hmm. and polygamy culture, that they they just kind of don't. Take the Bible for what it really—the value of it—or it if it you is. think
1: if I've just read my five verses today, then I've connected with the Word of God, which oh, is really—that's yeah. kind of where we're going. That it's not just reading, looking at words on a page, but mm-hmm. it is uh, understanding what God has to say and how mm-hmm. does that how does that relate to how we live and what's going on right. and, and how we relate to Him.
0: Oh, I'm so. excited to hear your program. We will see. <laughs> Now, anyone who is just a little bit familiar with Mormon polygamy knows that they claim that their polygamy is valid because the Bible records Abraham, Jacob and David's polygamy, whom Joseph Smith claimed were commanded by God to be polygamous. And this is where things like your your discussion will teach people how to get into the word and really see it for what's really there. So I think that's very interesting. Uh, We wonder how many of those who justify early Mormon polygamy have actually done a deep Bible study of these men to find out for themselves, pardon me, if Mormon polygamy actually does have a biblical mandate. Well, for those who haven't compared Joseph Smith's polygamy with biblical polygamists, we've done some of it for you. This time we're going to compare it with Abraham's polygamy. If what Joseph Smith said was true and God commanded Abraham to take plural wives and in turn commanded Joseph Smith to do the same, their polygamous behaviors would be similar. After all, if it's a God thing, it would be consistent. So we quote uh, from what Joseph Smith said, first from the Book of Mormon and then from the Doctrine and Covenants 132. So we have some Book of Mormon scriptures. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, I, the Lord God, will not suffer that this people shall do like unto them of old. For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning of the daughters of my people in the land of Jerusalem, yea, and in all the lands of my people, because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands.
0: Okay, now these are all from Jacob. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jacob, uh, the first quote, uh, verse 24, David's and Solomon's plural wives and concubines were abominable to God. Verse 26, God will not allow the Book of Mormon people to do what they did. Context, the abomination of polygamy. And then the next verse, God saw the sorrow of the women whose husbands were polygamous, and he called it wickedness. I mean, we know that Mormon apologists claim that God hated their polygamy only because they were not living it righteously. And so that he withheld it and until Joseph Smith could come and live it righteously themselves. But we don't see that explanation in the text, so we can't accept it, especially in light of the many other places in the Book of Mormon itself where polygamy is definitely condemned. Now let's read the Doctrine and Covenants, one, where... He commands it.
1: Okay, this is the very first verse of 132. Verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, my servant Joseph, that inasmuch as you have inquired of my hand to know and understand wherein I, the Lord, justified my servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as also Moses, David, and Solomon, my servants, as touching the principle and doctrine of their having many wives and concubines.
0: So that's the context Um, established right there, right? It's a
1: long (laughs) sentence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get, get more of those as we go so Jacob 2.24 which she read at first Joseph wrote that David and Solomon's many wives and concubines were an abomination to the Lord here Joseph Smith writes that the Lord justified those men because they had many wives and concubines so we discover that Joseph Smith is not consistent he contradicts himself and the contradictions are blatant in that same section 132 Verse 8, Joseph Smith wrote this. He says, Behold,
1: mine house is a house of order, saith the Lord God, and not a house of confusion.
0: We're going to visit that well, verse again that as we get through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smith's teaching on polyglary is so confusing. Robert M. Bowman, Jr. is a Bible scholar, and he studies counterfeit Christian religions comparing them with the Bible. He's done a lot of this kind of apologetic work regarding Joseph Smith and Mormonism. And you can find many of his articles and essays on IRR.org. It's a wonderful website full of great information. And there's an article there he entitled, quote, Abraham, Hagar, and Joseph Smith's polygamy, the Mormon use of Abraham as precedent for plural marriage. So you can go to that website and read this article for yourself. We're going to quote from some of it um, as we compare the polygamy of Joseph Smith and Abraham. Now we need to say before we begin that just because Abraham, Jacob, David and others had multiple wives is not an automatic mandate for Mormons to have plural wives. So here's the first quote by Robert Bowman. Contrary to Joseph Smith's teaching in
1: LDS Scripture, D&C 132, God did not command Abraham to take many wives, nor did God command Abraham specifically to take Hagar as a wife. A careful study of Genesis 16 shows that it was Sarai's idea for Abram to have sexual relations with Hagar in order to produce a child. In their culture, this practice was akin to what we call surrogate motherhood. Abram's child by his wife, Sarai's maid Hagar, would be considered in that culture to be Sarai's child.
0: Okay, so Mormons and polygamists alike repeatedly claim that God commanded the polygamy of Old Testament men. Now, as a child growing up in a polygamy home, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why he would command polygamy, but I believed it. I believed it because that's all I knew. I had no information to compare it with. But there came a time when I determined to find out for myself why God commanded polygamy when it was such a miserable and emotionally destructive life. So I read Abraham's story for myself. I was shocked to discover that God never commanded Abraham to take Hagar as a wife. I had been lied to all my life. God didn't tell Sarah to take Hagar to her husband, nor did he tell, uh, he didn't tell Sarah to give Hagar to her husband, as they claim that, that he did. And then uh, he didn't tell Hagar, Sarah's maid, to give herself to Abraham. None of that is there anywhere in the text. Yet that's what Joseph Smith and all the Mormon polygamists taught, and they still teach it. Even those who grow up in the Mormon church itself, who questioned Joseph Smith's polygamy are taught it was all from God, but that's nothing but a big lie. Our next quote from Robert Bowman. There is absolutely
1: no support in the Bible for Joseph Smith's assertion that God commanded Abraham to take Hagar as his wife. According to Genesis 16, it was Sarah's idea for Abraham to have sexual relations with her Egyptian servant Hagar in order to produce a child. The fact that it was Sarah's idea is strongly emphasized since it is stated five times in the first six verses of the passage.
0: I think that's rather important. <laughs> uh, you think? <laughs> God wants us to get it, right? Do you get it yet? Now, this is what Joseph Smith wrote in his revision of the Bible in those same verses, Genesis 16. Oh,
1: this Verse is one. this is the JST version.
0: This is the Joseph Got it. Smith version. I missed that. Yes. Okay, so
1: Genesis sixteen, according to Joseph Smith. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram, Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong is upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee.
0: Now those are Joseph Smith's Mm -hmm. translation. If God gave Hagar to Abraham, why didn't Joseph Smith say so in his Bible rewrite? If God had actually told Sarah to give Hagar to Abraham, why didn't Joseph Smith say so? But notice verse 5. Joseph Smith writes that Sarah admitted what she did was wrong, and it was wrong for Abraham to act on it. Why don't polygamists or the LDS ever notice this glaring bit of evidence? Well, it's easy enough to just read it, right? As
1: you said, if you just pick up a Bible, and read the actual story. Yeah, It's very clear. Right,
0: right. But, but unfortunately many of them just believe what they're told and they don't check it out for themselves. Right. And that's why we do our show. We want you to check it out for yourselves. Now we have another quote, a further quote from Robert Bowman.
1: Abram's sexual union with Hagar was not only something God had not commanded, it was something that God did not approve. The text indicates this in the way Sarai and Abram's actions are described, that parallel actions of even Adam in the temptation narrative. Now, this was very interesting to me. I had never thought about this. In both passages, the woman initiated the series of events. She took something, the fruit, or Hagar, and gave it to her husband, Adam, or Abram, who hearkened to the voice of his wife and did what she proposed ate the fruit had sex with Hagar. Mm -hmm. As noted in brackets in the two quotations above, the two passages share key Hebrew wording in common. In both passages, a man hearkened to the voice of his wife, and in both passages, the wife gave the man something that he accepted. The complexity of the parallel shows that it is intentional and significant. The reader is meant to understand that Abram erred in allowing his wife to persuade him to have sexual relations with Hagar, just as Adam erred in allowing his wife to persuade him to eat fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
0: And very interesting. We'll, we'll touch on this in a mm-hmm. little bit. The Mormons believe both was a good thing. Were a good thing, The That's fall of right. Adam and Eve was a good thing, and this was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Hagar, Sarah's maid... Served as a surrogate mother for Sarah because she was unable to conceive. That was an ancient cultural custom. So Bowman asked the question was Hagar a second wife or a surrogate mother? And we quote.
1: Modern categories of social relationships do not always correspond neatly with ancient ones, so caution is in order in asking a question such as whether Hagar became Abram's wife. Still, the question is legitimate and turns out to lead to some illuminating information when the account in Genesis is studied carefully in the light of ancient culture. Wealthier wives preferred the practice of surrogate motherhood by allowing their maids to have sex with their husbands. In effect, the child born of the maid was considered the wife's child. This is exactly what Sarai said was the reason for her giving Hagar to Abram. It may be that I may obtain children by her. Thus, as Sarai's servant girl, Hagar possesses no choice and has no voice in becoming a surrogate mother. Sarai simply takes Hagar and gives her to Abram. The initiative comes from Sarai because Hagar, as her maid, belongs to her.
0: Yeah, and that was the culture at that time. Certainly not in Joseph Smith's time, it wasn't the culture. So uh, forcing girls into polygamous marriages continue in Mormon polygamy culture, but that's not what's going on with Sarah and Hagar. Hagar was not forced to become Abraham's second wife. She was constricted, conscripted, drafted, to have a child for Sarah. So there's totally different situations going on here. And that was the culture. But it was not commanded by God. Now, Mormons and polygamists alike ask the question, well, then why didn't God punish Abraham? Instead, he blessed him. Well, that gives you a clue to the character of God. But very often negative consequences can be the uh, result of our behavior can be all that God needs to do to bring us under his, let's learn from this, situation. To make situation. us aware. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, and, and isn't that enough, by the way? And, and that is very important because God had promised, and this is important, because God had promised that he would bless Abraham before Abraham had his fling with Hagar. And God keeps his promises. God's blessings were not because of Abraham's fling with Hagar. Now, according to the biblical record, Sarai remained Abraham's one true wife. God's promises to Abraham that he would have offspring would be fulfilled through Sarai, not through Sarah's chosen surrogate. Abraham's relationship with Hagar is not a biblical precedent for Joseph Smith's claims of his practice of plural marriage. Now, Bowman brings out the fact that in six verses, Hagar is called Sarah's maid, not Abraham's wife. Hagar was a concubine. She was not a wife, we quote.
1: There is only one reference to Hagar as Abram's wife, and it is quite clearly qualified in context. Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. Genesis 16.3. This statement does not indicate any approval or sanction by God of the decision to have Hagar become a second wife to Abram. Indeed, this is the only reference to Hagar as his wife in the Bible. Genesis introduces her as Sarah's maid, and continues to refer to her as such, even after she was given to Abraham.
0: And when God meets her in the desert, he tells Hagar, go back to Sarah. Sarah. He doesn't say go back to Abraham. Now, later in the story, both Sarah and God refer to Hagar as her bondwoman, which was a female slave. Now, in contrast, Sarah is called Abraham's wife 26 times Throughout the story. In chapters 11, 13, 16, 17, 18, 20, 23, 24, and 25, Sarah is his wife, not Hagar. While some scholars believe that Abraham took Keturah as a concubine while Sarah was still alive, others believe it wasn't until after Sarah died, since she's not mentioned until chapter 26, after Sarah died. But whether or not Keturah was in the picture before Sarah died isn't really the point for our discussion simply because she is never said to be a plural wife given to Abraham by God. Joseph Smith's claims are false. Another point that Bowman makes concerns the sons, Ishmael and Isaac, the sons of Abraham, one from each woman, we quote.
1: Ishmael was not the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham of a son whose descendants would inherit the land. God did graciously promise to make a great nation of Ishmael, but the covenant promise that God made to Abraham was realized through Sarah's son, Isaac. As the Apostle Paul put it, Ishmael was born after the flesh, whereas Isaac was by the promise. Thus, Sarai's action of seeking a son through her maid Hagar was, at best, a wrong-headed attempt to fulfill God's promise in a way other than God's plan.
0: Very good points that he makes here. It was Sarah's idea for Abraham to assure they had a child by drafting Hagar as a surrogate mother. And since it was common in those times, it was not against any law. But Sarah was wrong in trying to help God fulfill his promise. In fact, she recognized in Genesis 16, three, that it was God himself who kept her from Mm -hmm. having children. So she's trying to change God's dealing with this here. We have another quote by Walt Bowman.
1: A close reading of the narrative in Genesis 16 in the context of the rest of the book, then, supports the conclusion that Sarai was acting in a manner inconsistent with faith in God's promise to Abram. Of course, she did not act alone. Abram, despite his faith in God's promise, chose to go along with Sarai's plan and in doing so brought strife into his home. Arguably, he was even more to blame, since he certainly had the authority, especially in his patriarchal culture, to reject Sarai's suggestion. In any case, the evidence shows that in the Genesis narrative, Abram's sexual union with Hagar was not commanded by God or even approved by him. Instead, it was an act inconsistent with Abram's faith in God to fulfill his promise.
0: Thank God for God's grace. Mm-hmm. Now, Joseph Smith frequently cited Abraham's polygamy. He secretly taught Mormon men about celestial marriage, which was just a code word for polygamy. And up to this very day, polygamists are exhorted to do the works of Abraham. The so-called revelation in section 132 of Doctrine and Covenants cites Abraham's polygamy as the example. Again, we quote from Bowman.
1: Joseph goes on to claim that the practice of polygamy is part of a new and everlasting covenant that the Latter-day Saints were to embrace or face damnation, for no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory. In this context, Joseph Smith cites Abraham as his primary example of this principle, along with Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, and Moses. Joseph cites Abraham taking Hagar as his wife as an example to his own wife, Emma Smith, who was clearly unhappy about Joseph's other wives. Unhappy is an understatement. Oh yes,
0: oh yes. (laughs) Now, by the way, both Isaac and Moses were monogamous. The Bible never says otherwise. Joseph Smith claimed that God counted polygamy as righteousness to Abraham when in fact it was Abraham's faith in God alone that is recorded uh, as his righteousness. Now, Joseph Smith's practice of polygamy is not a restored practice of Old Testament polygamy as he claimed. Joseph Smith's polygamy is actually a poor, even a sacrilegious imitation of it. Bowman says this.
1: There is one interesting parallel between Abraham's sexual union with Hagar and Joseph Smith's plural marriages. In at least some instances, Joseph's plural wives were maids living in his house and working for his legal wife Emma, notably Emily and Eliza Partridge, two young sisters whom Emma had taken into the house in 1843. His plural wives also included Sarah and Maria Lawrence, two teenagers living in the house of Joseph who had been appointed their legal guardian. In addition, Joseph had a sexual relationship with Fanny Alger, a teenage maid living in his house in the 1830s. Although Mormons generally now count her among Joseph's plural wives, the evidence strongly supports the view that Joseph did not begin practicing plural marriage as such until the late 1830s or even 1841, and that his relationship with Fanny was simply adulterous.
0: And that is a good point. Actually, Joseph Smith's polygamy was not even close Abraham's polygamy or any other polygamist in the Bible. Bowman has a comparison chart which Dorothy and I will share to show our viewers the differences in Abraham's and Joseph's Smith's polygamy. Now you can find this chart on the link on the screen it's at IRR.org and you can read for yourself but we're going to share some of what he said here to compare. So, start with Abraham.
1: Okay, Abraham had at most two or three wives at one time, probably one wife and one concubine, and then Keturah came along later, as we've said.
0: Uh, Joseph Smith, however, had over 30 plural wives at the same time, in addition to his legal wife, Emma.
1: Abraham, taking concubines or additional wives, was legally and socially acceptable in his pagan culture.
0: But Joseph Smith... Taking even a second wife is illegal and widely, and rightly so, recognized as immoral in the largely Christian culture.
1: Abraham did not try to hide or deny his relationships with Hagar, or later Keturah.
0: No. Joseph Smith, however, explicitly denied having more than one wife, despite secretly marrying over 30 women. Abraham was persuaded by his wife to have sex with one other woman. Hagar. Joseph Smith, however, had sex with at least a dozen other women, generally, without his wife even knowing, and certainly never got her consent.
1: Abraham had sex with Hagar in order to give his barren wife a child she could call her own.
0: Joseph Smith had at least four living children by his wife Emma before taking plural wives. He didn't need a surrogate mother.
1: Abraham never claimed that taking a concubine or a second wife was God's idea. That's
0: a glaring, <laughs> glaring funny thing. Joseph Smith, however, claimed that he would not have taken plural wives except that God commanded him to.
1: Abraham had no scripture or special revelation teaching that polygamy was wrong.
0: Joseph Smith had the New Testament, which teaches that polygamy is wrong, 1 Corinthians 7 2, mm-hmm. 1 Timothy 3 2 and 12 and Titus. One, six.
1: Abraham did not have sexual relations with a woman related to anyone else, he claimed, as a wife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Smith, however, his plural wives included a mother and her daughter. Leviticus 18.17 18, 17 prohibits that, as well as three pairs of sisters, and Leviticus 18.18 18 prohibits marrying sisters.
1: Abraham did not have sexual relations with any woman who was already married.
0: But Joseph had at least a dozen already married women as plural wives. All those relationships were clearly adulterous. Now that's a good comparison. It if very polygamy good. was from God, surely there would have been some similarities in how it was lived. As Bowman observed, the comparison is devastating. Joseph Smith manipulated dozens of women, including teenagers, older women, married women. He lied about it, and he lied about doing it. This was not the polygamy of Abraham. So go to the website, rr.org, and read the article for yourself. He's got a lot more interesting information than what we quoted, but good stuff. Thanks, Dorothy. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. It's good Appreciate to be here. Appreciate helping present this. You know, we find it interesting, yet tragic, that Mormonism's teachings dramatically oppose the Bible. For instance, we talked about this earlier, the fall of Adam and Eve was a good thing, that polygamy rather than monogamy is a good thing, Actually, both of these beliefs are in opposition to God's righteousness and trustworthiness. Isaiah 8.20 tells us that, Woe unto those who call evil good and who call good evil. It was evil for Adam and Eve to disobey God and eat the fruit. And and since then has caused thousands of years of human pain and death. Yet Mormonism calls it a good thing. We pray that those who watch our program will check these things out for themselves. Jesus Christ is the way to God, and He hasn't delegated that to Polygamy or to Joseph Smith or the LDS or anyone else. Thank you for watching.
1: This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy What Love Is This with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy What Love Is This is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.